going to be a special episode. But that's, that's probably the good place to start, is the idea of this being a special episode. We had the bye week, we had Thanksgiving, and now it's episode 41, season 10, Tertio Radio, it's your boy 3K here with Big Robbo, at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Rob? What's going on, people? I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I hope so. Uh, we got Joey coming on in a minute. He has uh, infant indecision to work on. That's Joey at LA Rams, Rams, Rams on your Twitter dial and joining us for the first time and maybe last time ever, the one, the only, the professor. What's up, Prof? How you doing tonight? Not John Clayton, the professor, but... The real professor. The actual professor. What'd you, what'd you do for, for Thanksgiving, Andrew? Me? Yeah. yeah. I watched football. That's yes. it. I don't care about nothing else. <laughs> Did you eat? Did you, you didn't even no, eat? No, 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 no chit-chat. No... <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's not Thanksgiving, okay? It's we're thanking the pilgrims for bringing football to America. That's what we're thanking them for. And what better way to thank them than to watch football all day? What was your, what was your favorite game out of the three? Chicago, Detroit, Dallas, Washington, or New Orleans, Atlanta? They all stunk. <laughs> Come on, you bears. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to laugh. This entire, this entire episode is going to be me laughing. I'm rooting for the Lions. They lose. I'm rooting for uh, 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 whoever played Dallas to win. Washington. They, they and, and then I'm rooting for someone to beat the Saints. And, and they, Atlanta. And then the way Atlanta played was the topper of the evening. What a bunch of, what's your dummy? <laughs> what, what, what about you, Rob? I, was, I, I should have started with Rob because now there's, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to live up to. I'm sorry. What'd you do for Thanksgiving, Rob? How the hell do I compare with that? I, uh, um yeah i i do the cooking on thanksgiving so uh, we had the you know the kids and all their you know boyfriends girlfriends husbands all that stuff they all came over so i get up and i, I do the cooking and and uh in, in between cooking i get to watch a little bit of football had the games on was listening but i was in and out of the kitchen all day so i saw the bears kind of do what they did to the lions i saw poor colt mccoy make a, a valiant effort with his three interceptions and still lose by eight and then i did not watch any of the falcon saints i couldn't do that to myself i I, I just, I couldn't watch this more Drew, Drew Brees is the, the Messiah for three hours. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I tapped out for that final game. I did good. I watched all four games. I watched all three uh, NFL games with a nap in Dallas, Washington. Uh, the first half put me to sleep, but I woke up in time to watch the end, which was good. How the hell did you do that? You have like 87 Thanksgiving you go to across like 17 square miles in the Dallas area. Ducks, turkeys. Hogs and, and oyster and, stuffing, cornbread oh, stuffing, crazy. Uh, yeah, no, we had uh, we had a lot of food. We had a lot of food, and then I fried another turkey on Saturday for kind of no reason. Just to have more like leftover turkey. It's because you had an extra bird carcass and needed to get it get it done. It was great. Well, I went I went and got one because they could do the uh, fresh turkeys on sale. So I got a fifty five dollar oh. turkey for like fifteen bucks on Friday and fried it on Saturday. That is a veteran right there. You're like, you know what? I know they got to move this bird. You go get up in the morning, go get yourself the pick of the litter, come back and deep fry in that peanut oil. It's pretty smart. The good thing was it was an easy Thanksgiving for Rams fans because we didn't have to do anything. We had a bye week coming off that historic Monday night football win. Uh, team was able to relax, heal up with some minor injuries. The Todd Gurley injury, obviously, first and foremost, but outside of Cooper Cup, didn't really have a lot on the injury front. We got the news today that Aqib Tlaib really? coming back. Outside of Cooper, you had to remind us of, of the king being out. Well, you, sorry. You had to go. Uh, life's, life's a bitch sometimes, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time coping without my cup. You'll find a way. Life finds a way. And that's the thing is, it leads us into week 13. Detroit Lions, this is kind of our only podcast for the week since we had a bye week. We didn't really need to recap the bye and preview the game. So we can get right into it. Uh, Prof, what are, you, what are you thinking for this game? You've got the historical angle, thinking about the Detroit Lions. What's on your mind when you think of this game? Well, historically, the Rams don't play well against Detroit Lions. And all you got to do is go back to 1999, and one of our two losses, three sure. losses, was the Detroit Lions. And they stunk then. And I remember going to Monday Night Football games in the Coliseum, and Detroit stunk, and they lost to them. And I had made up this big, huge sign that says Knox is as good as gold, and it had glitter all over, gold glitter and everything, and they wound up losing and tanking it against a lousy Detroit Lions team. So, you know, I, my, my attitude is that, that I'm a little trepidation because, like I said, we don't play well against Detroit. 
for some reason. And um, but other than that, we're just a better team. And since they come to Los Angeles, there's a whole different attitude on this club than when they were here before. It sets up that way. What do, what do you think, Robbo? Big picture when you look at this game, what are you thinking about? Well, uh, if you think about the Lions before the season started and what they are right now, it's. I mean, they traded Golden Tate. They just put Marvin Jones on IR. I mean, you still have Stafford there, but he's he's got Karrion Johnson, who's dealing with a knee injury, missed last week. You don't know if he's going to play this week. So it's, it's Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and and who? Um, Matt Patricia. That guy just seems he seems like your typical. Bill Belichick tree head coach where he's going to be around for three years and get fired in his fourth. And just, just nothing's going right for that team. It's, it's brutal. And so if, if there's ever the trap game, this is, this is the trap game because you've got, you've, you've got, uh, you know, a big game following, following this, you got the bears, right? So we're going to be amped up for the bears and you got the Eagles coming to town with some of that football. And so there's, there's lots of stuff to look forward to, but the one thing I do trust about the Rams under Sean McVay that I would never trust under Jeff Fisher or anybody else is he's not going to have them looking past people. You don't, you don't see, you don't see this coaching staff allowing these, this team to, to take anyone lightly. It seems like they're, they're hyper-focused on, on the moment. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with our, our boys on this one. Um, I just, I just don't see, I just don't see how this is going to be competitive. But you know, the Rams' defense is adventurous. It is, and as as Samson wrote, to, uh, Samson, <laughs> Jesus, listen to me. As Sosa wrote today, uh, trying to sell us on on the Rams' defense being better than we think it is. Uh, I called BS on that, but I, hmm. you never know with 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 Matty Stafford. But I just, I just can't see how this team's going to compete. I, I think they're, I think they're locked in, and, and they're. You know they they still know that they have a, a number one seed to play for, so I just can't see this team getting getting surprised. What is, so go go with that Sosa piece. What is it that you weren't buying in terms of the idea for people who didn't read it? Get a chance to go read it. We'll link it in the post. But uh, essentially, what he was looking at with, with the idea being that the Rams conventionally, if you look at this defense, it, it's not playing great football. It's not what you would think. Obviously, if you've got the historical timeline and references that Prof's working from. Um, no, it doesn't look like a good defense. But in terms of where they sit, in terms of most rankings and most metrics, they're somewhere around the middle of the league. We posted that tweet, and I'll post it in the article when we get it up, that had the defense right in the middle of the league. Most, most of their stats in the middle? Uh, they're like bottom third on most of those stats. Now, if you look well, at... which stats, though? Yeah. Okay, so he's got... They're at uh, 23rd in the league and, and points per game allowed at 20, 25. That's, that's bottom... Third, okay, right? top of the bottom third, sure. So it's it's not middle of the league is fifteen, twenty three okay. is not fifteen. So it's kind of like bottom third. Rushing yards per game, twenty second. Uh, yards per rush, thirty second. That's at the bottom. Passing yards, passing yards per game, twentieth. Yards yep. per pass, twenty fifth. Sacks per game, middle fourteenth. And the big one for them is they're sixth in the league in takeaways, which has been their kind of X factor. Uh, but he also pointed to football setters uh, DVOA. They've got the Rams 16th, which is middle of the league. So if you look at all everything combined, I think their takeaways and their their second half defense has been. We talked about this before. Vastly improved. I mean, when they need to make a stop, they they find a way to make a stop. So they give up yards like crazy and big plays, and we see that. But it seems like when when they've needed a, a play outside of the Saints game, they've been able to make a play and get off the field in the fourth quarter, and that's really helped them. Uh, but so I, I, I kind of gave him a hard time. He's like, you know, I started looking at these stats when I was thinking about doing this article. And before the Chiefs game, all these numbers were around the 15 mark. And after the Chiefs game, they give up, you know, 500 something yards. They blew those numbers out. And he had said, you know, after we play San Francisco and Arizona again, and maybe even Detroit, those numbers are probably going to come back down, which they probably will. Sure. So well, I was just giving him a hard time about, about this, you know. This is a, such a bad defense, and I'm looking at numbers 25th, 22nd, 23rd. I mean, we we think of a decent defense as top 10, and they're they're a long way off from that other than takeaways. They are. I think the two things you'd say is you pointed out the idea of Kansas City uh, being this last week that has skewed things a little bit. I think the other thing is the f- efficiency of the offense. Part of the problem with the Rams' defense is because the offense is yeah. so good. We're, the, our defense is out there seven, eight times a game. Joey, uh, we got you back from child duty. We got the Detroit game coming up. We talked about Thanksgiving a little bit. What, what, what do you think about this Detroit game coming up week 13? It's another trap game, guys. Oh, he said it too. That's two of you. I mean, you know what? Every game's a trap game, right? I think it's a, um, 
it's it's on the road and i think the detroit lions are essentially a garbage team but i think in any sunday a team could play well but i mean who made the joke on on Twitter? Like it was somebody from the Lions Pride site where they're talking about Akeem Talib coming back, and they said, yeah. "Oh yeah, you know, so he's, he can come back, so he can cover nobody." And you know, you get rid of Golden Tate, and honestly, like I, if you just go to like a random person that is not like an NFL fan that's not a Lions fan and ask them how many receivers can you name on the Lions. I, I, I just I don't know I don't know how well people could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it's going to be interesting. This has a chance to be the worst offense for Matthew Stafford since he was drafted by the Lions back in '09. Uh, Prof, I got a question for you. Do you do you believe in trap games? Do you believe they exist? I, yeah, I, I believe that there are things that can happen that Such cause as? the psyche of a team to take things for granted. I would I would mention this. I mean, you got New Orleans Saints playing Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. And let's assume that the New Orleans Saints win that game. Then the sure. Detroit game it becomes of added importance to the team. And I think they get themselves up for it much greater than they would if they didn't because they're, they're fighting for home field advantage. On the other hand, if New Orleans loses, sure. and, it's, and you know what? The Cowboys have been playing good football lately. If they can keep the ball and they can keep it away from the New Orleans Saints and they can play good defense, and they lose, then it becomes a trap game because the Rams think, well, we'll just take the field and we'll beat these guys. So, you know, psychologically, I think that Thursday night game is going to have an immense amount of importance because everyone in the league watches these games, regardless of how bad they are. Yeah. And and it feels like right now we're playing against the New Orleans Saints, even though we're playing another team. And we have to kind of think about that, that, you know, if if they win, we got to win. And that's kind of... I think what McVeigh is going to tell these guys that, yeah, you know, the Lions aren't going to be in the playoffs, but the Rams will be and the Saints will be, and we got to be in LA when we play them. Yeah, the playoff picture is shaping up to be really interesting. I posted the perspective looking today. You got three teams less than four wins, but the Lions are down there at the bottom with Tampa Bay and surprisingly Atlanta and Green Bay. Which of the which of those two teams are you guys are maybe equally surprised? Which one of those two teams are you surprised only has four wins? I would say. You know, personally, Green Bay, just because a healthy Aaron Rodgers, you, you, I mean, you just think of that guy as being elite. Matt Ryan's been pretty good, and and he's had, you know, under under Shanahan, he was he was MVP, was he MVP or at least in the in the running, went to the Super Bowl, had a lead in the Super Bowl late, uh, but I don't know that anyone really fears Matt Ryan the way they do, uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I want to go with, with the pack. Just how, you don't expect that team to be bad. How many wins? And, how many wins they're, would they have without Aaron Rodgers? They have a, they have so they have so many issues. Yeah, so they, I'm gonna go. It, it just seems like a really bad team. Ugh. Two, maybe one. They've had injury after injury. They're kind of getting old. Their defense is decimated. They, their defense is the equivalent of what we had with the Rams, you know, back around the you know the the early Spags years when we had something like seventeen DBs play. They they just cannot stay healthy, and that team is that 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 team is wrecked defensively. So uh, I'm gonna go with the Pack, but um, you could also say the Falcons. Cause, you know, we lost to them in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, they had issues last year, but they were able to over, overcome them. They had red zone issues, and they still kind of have some of that this year. Uh, not as bad. But I'm, I'm gonna go pack. They don't. The weird thing about the Falcons is they don't have the injury issue. They only got a couple guys on IR, and it's none of the, you know, super key guys. And I think that's what's where. What, what do you think, Prof? Uh, I, I know you got to have some ill will for the Falcons based on how 2017 ended. Are you are you surprised that there's still just four wins after 11? Well, I, I, I do not agree with Rob. I think the key injuries have been to the Falcons, and they hmm. they've lost their running back, and you know that's a key. Devontae Freeman, okay. And, and that's, key, that's a key ingredient to that team. Now, I'm not surprised that the Falcons are where they are because of the injuries. On the other hand, I'm not going to hear any excuses about Green Bay. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You should be at least 500, okay? It's poor coaching. This is a badly coached football team by Mike McCarthy. He's done at the end of this year, okay? You, if you don't make the playoffs, they're going to take that sign-off where it says McCarthy Lane or whatever it is up there in Green Bay after he wins that Super Bowl and throw it in the trash because he hasn't won nothing after that Super Bowl. He's won one Super Bowl in how many years, and he's now he's missing the playoffs? I mean, he's got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how many teams would die for that guy? And there's nobody who's more accurate, can do more with what he does 
in terms of his arms and his and his and, and everything. They just don't design plays for him to do it. I mean, I watched that game last night or was it Sunday night? Right. And I thought, man, you know, what's going on here? What where's the what kind of play calling is this? Throw the ball. He sounds just like one of my best friends who is a who's from Milwaukee and is a huge pack fan and he has been calling for McCarthy's head for two years and this year it is like it's he that's every other word of his mouth is this son of a bitch should be fired so he I, I think you're onto that something right there with that one yeah it's weird two years ago they weren't bad they had a really strong offense and went to the NFC championship and lost that year to uh, Seattle and then last year you had the Rogers injury right and so I think obviously that that provided a pretty easy ready-made excuse for him but you gotta I, I don't know it's one of those things where um, I, I, I don't, it's like Prof said, you, you can't really po- point to much else besides coaching. I know they've had a lot of injuries, but you got Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to understand how that's a four win team at the same time. It's really easy to understand how Detroit's a four win team. Joey, Joey, what do you think? When you look, look at Detroit, you talked about the idea of the wide receivers, the Rams coming in here. What do you want to see from the Rams? Do you, do you think, do you think anything less than a blowout would be disappointing? Yeah, I would. I, I, I definitely expect it to be a blowout. And I was thinking, just going back to what you guys were talking about with like the NFC picture, it seems like there's a lot of teams that could be maybe two games better than their record suggests with like Atlanta. Um, maybe not the Packers. The Packers are playing like a four-win team. But there's teams like Carolina and Washington and, I mean, even a team like Chicago, which I don't think is as good as their record mm. is. And I feel like you have a lot mm. of these teams that are essentially just – they're they're fine. And there's like eight of them that can maybe make the playoffs that are currently a little bit over 500. And they're kind of beating each other up and one, one team's stealing a win, the other team's, you know, maybe lo- lo- losing a win, but n- none of them are really going to matter in the playoffs. And I think you're really seeing this kind of separation because I, st- I don't think that I'm not worried about Dallas. I'm not worried about Washington. I'm worried if you and I'm really worried about really anybody in the NFC East, which is kind of kind of interesting to say because that doesn't happen that many years that you don't you're not scared of anybody in the NFC East. But it it seems like it's just I mean I I would rather like stay away from Minnesota than I would anybody that's going to win their division in the East. But <clears throat> going back to this game, I mean it it just it kind of feels like. I just i want to I want to see I want to see guys just get more ex- experience. Like I, I would rather have the tight ends and and guys like Josh Reynolds and you know put in more of like the depth guys on defense and 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 just just have the team just get better than having to prove themselves. Because you really, when you play the Detroit Lions, you don't have to, I think, prove anything. It's just I, I guess if if it's a close game. Then you've 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 maybe proved that you're maybe a bit overhyped, sure. and 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 that's where like the fear kind of comes in. But you know, I guess I guess I just I want to see them firing on all cylinders and just kicking ass. Professor, the Detroit Lions lost to Chicago by seven. They lost to Chicago again in their first meeting by twelve. They lost to the Vikings by fifteen. They lost to the Seahawks by fourteen, and they lost to the Cowboys by two. How many points did the Rams need to beat the Lions by for you to feel comfortable with it? Just beat them by one. <laughs> but I only care about the wins. I don't care how you do it. My 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 thinking is you got to play like champion. You're in the last part of the season. It's not what you're doing in September or October. It's what you're doing in November, December, and January. And you've got to start playing like these games are playoff games. And if you don't think home field advantage is going to be a big deal here in this situation, you're wrong. I know the Rams played well in this in, in the Superdome, but you know the, that Ram crowd on Monday Night Football was something else. It was the best crowd I've ever heard a Rams uh, a Rams ever have uh, since they since first of all since they've been home, but also how into it they were in a regular season game. It was really the homecoming. And my thinking is, you play like champions, act like champions, you play like champions. You go out there and you kick the crap out of those Detroit Lions. They shouldn't be close game, but I'll take the W any way I can get it. Question, Professor. You need to play like champions. You need to act like champions. Do you need to dress like champions? Well, yes. Why not? 
I like it. Do you need to smell like champions? What if they use what what if you found out that a keep to leave uses like bar soap, like dial? Would you be disappointed that he doesn't have a higher end soap? What is a higher end soap other than than oh, one that's ninety nine cents? This is a good question, Rob, Joey. Did, what is a, what is a good higher end soap? What is it? What is, what, where are we going with this? What is a good high end soap that you guys could recommend? Uh, well, I think if if you're in LA, you need to have some uh, someone making hand making your your soap. Yeah, like one out of thirty bars. That's all that's been made on Earth. Right. I mean, that's, you you have you have someone uh, in like the the hills of Malibu, <laughs> in the backyard. They're they're ferment, they're fermenting their own stuff. They're making their own soap by hand. They're they're hand forming these bars, drying them in this the beautiful California sun, hand delivering them wrapped in eucalyptus eucalyptus leaves, and making sure that those guys have their special high end soap. You can't just you can't be going to Costco and getting a twenty pack of of Dial or Coast or or uh, you know Irish Spring. Our, our our boys don't use that the commoner soap. Hey, hey, look, as long as it's not manufactured by Barry Bonds or Mike McGuire, they can wear. <laughs> Joey, here, here's a question: Which player on the Rams roster? Has his own line of like? Does a keep to leave use a keep to leave soap? Which player on the Rams uses their own line oh, of that's soap? A, that's a that's a really good question. I'm going through the roster right now. There are a lot of guys who don't. I I know for a fact that like uh, Sebastian Joseph Day does not use SJD. You know, I think I think old AW just uses Ajax baking baking powder and water. <laughs> He's scrubbed down like an elephant on the driveway, right? He's just sitting out there, and the wife gets the gets the push broom and the and the bucket, and just starts scrubbing. It's a diet coke, and he just pours it on his head. <laughs> yeah. What soap? The question for you, Joe, uh, Joe is: What soap does uh, Jared Goff use? Bro, oh man, bro. Oh, dude, you gotta go. Our spring, you gotta go with the spring, bro. Yeah, dude, he's 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 axe body spray all the way. And do do he do, do he and Higgs do they, do they share soap? It's like, dude, we're gonna go to Costco. Oh, yeah. they, they go From in. what I saw, the pictures in the locker room, they all use Dove or something like that. That that Dove stuff. Prof's got intel on the kind of. On, I'm hearing from my no, sources. When you watch them when you watch them in the post game interview. You know, I'm always looking to see what little junky yeah, yeah. things they have in the back of them. Every little <laughs> Prof has printed out a tweet from the Rams, and he's got the Dove circled in red marker. Swash like a champion. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There you go. But is it like a bar a dove, or is it the liquid stuff? And they have like the little scrunchy thing that hangs from your shower. We've got them all set up for the, when they win the Super Bowl. They'll they'll be on television. We wash with the soap of champions. You know. <laughs> I think it's um, the name of the soap is J three, and Sean it's gonna Johnson. have just like the letter three over over a J. <laughs> And it's our man from uh, from Boston College, John Johnson the Third. You know, I have Ram soap at my house. <laughs> of course. When I was a little kid, you know, they had these like bars of soap and it had the Ram symbol on it. And I still have those, and and those will get you really clean yeah. too. And that'll <laughs> those will get you really. Clean. <laughs> it's like a Chuck Knox era soap, or John yeah, Robinson that's it. Soap. It was the John Robinson era. They also have they also had Rams perf uh, cologne that you could. Oh my god! So I so I bought it. I wanted <laughs> nice. What does what it smell like? like? What does Rams uh, cologne smell like? It's the best in the whole world. <laughs> that's right. If everybody moves, if everyone leaves me and goes away, that's how good it is. <laughs> if they said I stink, then I know I'm in trouble. But that's not what they said. <laughs> That's good. Um, what do you think about Akeem Talib coming back? I think it's great that they are playing a team like Detroit when he's coming back because it allows the defense to really sort of do a little bit of a reset just in their in their their psyche of of what they've been doing because they do have another captain on the field now and they got their two big time cornerbacks learning to play with each other again and so just getting that chemistry going against what what Andrew said is not an offensive juggernaut. I think is I think it's it's a good matchup. I think it's a it's a good time for him to come back. Yeah, Rob, this is obviously a big addition back to the defense. And we talked about Joey mentioned the idea that we're, we're a little bit fortunate to be able to have the Detroit Lions offense as a landing platform. Uh, well, I think 
his his points are valid and it's going to be nice to get you know the back end kind of working it towards a you know a cohesive unit working in the playoffs so you know let's no longer have a Marcus have to follow the best player and maybe he gets to play off a little more zone and and then let uh, Akib kind of man up on, on the big guy but my big question with Akib everyone feels that we got Akib back it's going to right the ship is he going to help your run defense is he going to is he going to stop you know the Seahawks from running 287 yards on you. Um, huh. Is how much is of that he, is going to be worse than the replacements though? No, no, I'm just thinking. Everyone has like targeted to keep coming back as, as to be in the fix for this defense, and I'm right. I'm not sure that this is the fix. I think it's going to be better than what we've had, and it should solidify some things in the back end. Maybe you're not giving up home run balls after home run balls, Sam Shields and and uh, and Mr. Hill, but I'm not sure what it's going to do for the run game. So. Uh, hopefully he's the tonic and everything is better, but I, I still think there are some issues up front that they need to deal with. And if it's gap integrity or if it's linebackers getting off blocks, which uh, uh, you know, they've, they've been uh, bad at both of those things, Corey Littleton <laughs> and Mark Barron, I'm talking to you. That's the, that's the collar tug moment right there. Right. So, uh, so I don't know that it's going to be the, the fix all that we want it to be, but it, it should be definitely be better. What do you think about those linebackers and run support professor between Corey Littleton and Mark Barron? What's your feeling on those guys this year? Mark Barron, I don't want to get into you. I, there's certain language I can't use. Yes, you can. Yeah, this is this is a podcast. You can. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> well, I, I, I think he looks terrible out there. This He just is whiffing on a lot of things, taking very bad angles. That's Mark Barron. He really is. As far as Corey is concerned, you know, he's a lightweight middle linebacker. And he's, you know, he's he's not... He's not stout, but neither was Alec Ogletree. Sure. So, I mean, you're not – I just think that he, he's more wide-bodied, so I, I'm more comfortable with him in the middle than I would be Ogletree, who's more linear or vertical. So, you know, I, I, I think he's doing fine. I mean, he's not Mike Singletary, but – you know, none of the Lamb Ram linebackers are doing anything boring you th- do right you think, now. Do you think that's by design? I think it was you talking about this, Professor. Do you, do you think there's an angle where Wade Phillips prefers these guys like Alec Ogletree and who was handed to him, but somebody like Corey Littleton, who's a little bit more athletic on the inside versus old school thumpers who can really come downhill and stop the run? Well, what you made brought to my attention the fact that in today's NFL, things are different than my day. Sure. Okay. So when I started to look at that, and started watching some more tape and watching games, I am looking for these matchups where you have the linebackers matched up against wide receivers or slot guys or tight ends. And I'm saying to myself, those guys, when they see that matchup, when a Sean McVay sees that matchup, he's going to that guy. Of course, Jared Goff's going to that guy. And the reason being is they're not fast. So in today's game, if you're going to have linebackers, they got to be fast. Right. They, they, they have to be leaner and, 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 and less bulky. So when you have like a hybrid like Mark Barron, he's better in the pass cover because he can. And, and, and when I watch these, when I watch that Minnesota game, I'm saying, look where Cousins is going. He's going to the, where the matchup is on those, on that outside linebacker. The same thing with, with, with Green Bay was doing this, you know, they're doing the same thing to Minnesota. And so today's game, it, those linebackers are much different than, than, than my day. If they just are, you're not seeing those those guys who are slow. They can't they, because you've spread the field so wide, you know, with the, with your with the formations and everything, with all the movement. You need quick linebackers. What do you think, Joey? What, what's your feeling on the linebackers, my man? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where we knew that this was a problem, and we kind of were like, well, I mean, we're making all of these other big upgrades, so maybe this won't be an issue. And it really is. I mean, guys, I mean, Matt Longacre has essentially just been the invis- exactly just been the invisible man out there mm-hmm. i mean i like i mean the one guy I like you could say is, is samson epicom is is uh, you know had a great game last week and he's showed problems but he still feels like a little bit of a of a depth guy you know coming off the bench he doesn't really feel like a solidified for sure starter the way we're playing him and i don't like i i mean i agree with the professor with with baron and we're just kind of, I think, compromising on these this talent in, in this whole in this whole unit, and I feel like it is our glaring weakness. And I think when teams go up against us, that's how they game plan. Like, how can we exploit their linebackers? And I think that's that that's what teams have done 
but we luckily have this offense that could score 40 points a game. So it, 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 it helps us out in a pinch, but yeah, I mean, can you imagine what this team would be playing like playing like, I mean, I don't think you could afford an elite linebacking core with the players that we're paying. I mean, it's just with the, with the way the salary cap works. I mean, there has to be some sections of the 53 men roster that don't have all pro dudes. It's just the way it's just the way it has to work. And so we just happen to have, you know, four positions on the linebackers that are essentially, you know, average guys that on sure. another team might not be starters. Isn't it true though? Isn't it true though when you when you're playing the three four, your outside linebackers that you're talking about, whether it's Longacre or Abukum or or it's it's Dante Fowler, they're not there for 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 pass defense. They're there to rush the quarterback. Right. I mean, that's Von Miller stuff in that three four you're not going to see them out there in coverage very rarely are you going to see them in coverage their job is go to kill. the quarterback kill, kill. that's it that's <laughs> it I, I mean yeah. it's such it's so easy to teach you know i don't care how you get there get there because if you're forcing that quarterback inside and that's been the problem is the rams haven't gotten the edge rush to force him to step up in the pocket where aaron donald and then Dominic Sue, who I don't know, is he missing in action all the time as well? Or yes. or Michael Brockers, who's also been missing in action, are supposed to chew him up. Sure. It's not happened. That's why they made the trade for Dante Fowler. If if you said to you you said about the Rams, where do you think you need improvement on? Where do you think you need to go? Did they go go looking for a corner? When you said they should they could get a corner, they should use a corner? We all said they probably could, but they went out and they got an edge rusher because they were getting nothing from that edge rush. Now, at least with Dante Fowler, he's, he's getting impressive. better every week. Uh, he's getting an impact. Yes. Here, here's a question for you guys. We start. We started the season with Matt Longacre and Samson Abukum. May, maybe Abukum because more, or maybe Longacre because Morgan Fox got injured. Remember, he was reportedly the starter. Dom Easley and Dominic Easley obviously had that rotational role too. But, let me ask you this. Samson Abukum and Matt Longacre. Longacre is a restricted free agency. Samson Abukum still on his rookie contract for another two years. Are either of them starting week one, 2019? Yes. Who, Abukum? And why? Yeah. I think Abukum, if he has a big game, if mm -hmm. he has the last five big yeah. games, sure, which is possible. Because, you know, he played this game against Kansas City. I mean, it was like lights out. Maybe he doesn't practice well. Sure. There are a lot of guys that don't practice well. You know, maybe it takes a game like that to show him this is what you have to do to 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 play in the NFL, and you got to do it week in and week out. You know, Prof mentioned this earlier about you know there are maybe someone else to bet. Maybe it was Joey. You have to uh, you have to you know underpay some positions because you're overpaying other positions. Right. And I'm not sure many of our fans have looked forward to 2019, but we have a few free agents on this. Well, we've team. written about it. So we've written about it on the site. Yeah, yeah. So we you know that, and while they have some cap space, it's not unlimited. And so they're going to have to fill a lot of those holes. And so you're going to have to have a guy like a Samson Ebicom on his rookie deal playing for you or Corey Littleton or whoever. Uh, you know, there's a guy in Missouri right now screaming, our, our old cohort, Myson, screaming the name, Micah Kaiser. Get Micah Kaiser. He's, he's the answer at middle linebacker because Mark Barron probably will not be on this team next year. And the way Brock is playing right now, uh, he's he's a surefire casualty cut if if Could if be. he stays like this because it's eleven million dollars you can recap between those two it's like almost twenty two million dollars you can get back right. and so the, we're gonna have to say goodbye to some guys that we might not want to say goodbye to now but and, and Dominican Sue won't be back at fourteen million dollars a year so this is gonna be vastly different and I think you're gonna have to you're you're gonna have to you know keep up with some younger guys in order to stay competitive and keep paying these guys. So, yeah, I think you'll see one of those guys, and I hope it's Samson and not Maddie Longacre, sure. uh, starting for this team next year. I think the other thing you got to keep in mind, and it's something obviously less neat in the Rams front office has built into their plans, is when you talk about guys like Ndamukongsu and LaMarcus Joyner and even Roger Saffold, if he joins those guys leaving, is that you get the compensatory picks. If they leave in free agency and get paid just like they met, they they bought into these you know, ideas of Sammy Watkins and Trumaine Johnson leaving and using those comp picks, one of which they traded to the Jags for Dante yeah. Fowler. That's clearly part of their strategy too. So releasing a guy like Brockers, you wouldn't get that comp pick. I don't, I don't know if that's enough to, to prevent them from doing it, but 
clearly they're they're baking in the cost of these compensatory picks moving forward. It's going to be interesting. But what's more valuable for 2019, a 2020 compensatory pick or $10 million of cap space for a guy that's not living up to his salary? I wonder. I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's the question. It, it also depends on which position, right? I mean, there's a big yeah. difference between inside linebacker and edge rusher. Or, or I'm thinking, you know, Brockers as well. I, I mean, sure. Prof mentioned him, and he, we all thought, who's going who's gonna to benefit the most by the Nanabakan Sue Aaron Donald pairing? I was one of those guys that was like, this is Michael Brockers. He's going to be singled up. This guy is going to be a beast. Me too. And it's been rather, yeah. I, you, just, you just don't see his name called. Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is because we watched that game, that playoff game last year and the game changed when he left. When he was injured in the third quarter and out, the Falcons were able to run on the Rams and the and the game changed. You know, Farrah Cooper's mistakes aside, they were in that game until he went out and that's when things started going for them. And so, I, you know, I was just, this game, you know, with Namakin Sue, who Prof also mentioned, has been MIA. I think he, you can say he's been a disappointment this year because he's not stopping the run and, you know, he hasn't gotten to the quarterback as much as we wanted. He's also an older player, but he and, he and Brockers have, Either they're eating up a lot of double teams to free up Darren Donald for these fourteen and a half sacks, or they're or you know they're underperforming, and uh, I, I could see a change at both those spots. But I would I would also I would also add on, on Brockers, they must see something in him about the way he hits those gaps or, or shows up those gaps, like you were saying, Rob, when he played against Atlanta when they when he went out and the Rams really stunk it up after that. They gave him an extension on his contract right. that year. So my thinking is they must have seen they see something in him that that we don't see out there when we're watching because we're focusing our eyes somewhere else. You know, I I I, I I'm big on I'm, I think Brockers can be a guy and he and he has leadership qualities on the team. Well, he's a you captain. Know, he's this year, one right? of those captains. Yeah. So I, I kind of think they're going to keep him. I, I do. I think they would keep Brockers. I'm going to get rid of some of these other guys. Longacre, for example, please, I don't even want to get into it. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking for, for, for Oreo. When, when Oreo comes, is he going to play? And then we're going to make him active? That's another thing people need to know is that Professor has weirdo nicknames for everybody. So he's referring to <laughs> Ogbenaya Okoronkwo. Whatever. And what about that law firm that <laughs> Jonathan law. Franklin Myers guy? Okay. When are we going to see something out of that guy? I mean, you know, we need we need some better production out of these people. You saw something out of JFN this year. I think you saw it in the Seahawks game. You saw it with Strip Sack, right? Yeah, but we need we need that every week. I don't want once a week. Once a week is not good enough for me. Once every week, week. once once a season, it's been for JFM. One time this season. Yeah, exactly. Because my Justin Lawler jersey is just <laughs> collecting dust in my drawer, and it's sitting right next to my Henry Krager Cobol jersey. And I feel like I've made some mistakes in my life. I want to see Munt. When are they going to put in Munt? Johnny Munt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my guy. I, I think your boy Munt is going to be is going to be you know uh, not seen as much as you as you want because young Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby is starting to show up on the on the stat sheet. Both of those guys have played pretty well the last week. And that's one of my biggest shocks is how well Higby has been playing. Higby has been playing. So here's here's my question: Who who profits more from Cooper Cup's absence, the tight ends Gerald Everett and uh, Tyler Higby or Josh Reynolds? Both. I think it's the tight ends. I thought it was going to be Reynolds, but it feels like it's. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of both, but sure. it's, it's it nice to Monday. see these, these tight ends finally. It's the tight ends are kind of finally coming alive, though, and that's nice to see. I mean, obviously Reynolds is on the field and they're going to throw the ball to him, but you know. Higby's been on the field the whole season, and he finally looks like he has a pulse. So that's nice to see. And, and you know, it, it sucks that it's it's because Cup's out. But you know what? At least these guys are finally showing that they can, can catch the ball. Well, wait a minute. Is it so much that Cup is out or whether or not McVeigh is scheming more towards the Titans? I mean, I I felt even before going into well, that game, he was still he was beginning to scheme more to the tight ends. And that opens up a whole different realm for those Rams on the offense, which is why I say they're unstoppable. Go ahead, pick your poison out there, whether you're going to cover Cooks, you're going to cover Woods, you're going to cover Reynolds. Watch out for that tight end. And then you got Gurley as your safety valve coming out of the backfield. I mean, look at all that speed. 
It's almost like my son has returned in the form of the professor. Uh, here, here's a question for you. Um, Higby, unlike Jared Goff, Higby's deal ends next year. Jared Goff is the first rounder, has the fifth year option. The Rams have to make a decision on Tyler Higby at the end of next year. Would you guys re-sign Tyler Higby? Or, or, or what, what would determine whether or not you want to re-sign Higby in, in terms of what the market rate might be for a guy like that? Well, can you just sign him as Jared Goff's best friend? Like it's a special right. coaching Side position. Kick. Yeah, he just he's on the sidelines and he and instead of handing him Gatorade, he just hands him a, like a gordita. Not even like an NFL contract, just like a, a a ruled college paper that says best friends in crayon and the S is written backwards and then he traces his hand. The, yeah. The exactly one thing that. that the one thing that Higby does that doesn't show up on a stat sheet is he's your inline blocker, <laughs> right? Young Gerald is not gonna be you know, blocking defensive ends. Uh, they're not going to ask him to do the same thing that they ask Higby. So you're going to have to find a guy that can still catch the ball and, and block. And I think you can find that. So I don't know if, unless Higby, you know, start, you know, turns it on the next, next year and a half or whatever it is. I, I don't know that you spend the money on him. Why, why would you, when you can get his skill set in the third round with one of those com- compensatory picks? How much is he going to cost you? I mean, a guy like that, you mean, yeah, he's a blocker, right? I mean, you got to look at, is he is he in the going rate of the top 10 tight ends in this league? No. Top 20 tight no. ends? I mean, you pay him what he's worth. If he shows production, yeah, you can get a little bit more money. And as far as I'm concerned, if you just paid him to hold, and he's and he's Jared Goff's best friend, if you paid him to hold his jockstrap for $12 million, I'm fine with that too. I don't know. See, I don't, I don't. I don't know what the market's going to be for a guy like that. I don't know. Obviously, the production isn't great, but it's going to be interesting. Um, here, Cameron Brait. Well, he he's not Cameron Brait though, right? But that's that's a high end for Higby as right, Cameron uh, Brait. That's really high end for Higby. Yeah, that's he had what signed a six year forty million dollar contract. Right. Uh, I don't think you give Higby half of that. Six year nah, twenty. But Brait had Brait had six sixty and eight touchdowns two years ago. So. Ugh. And remember Gerald, this. Gerald Everett could be that guy. He could. Yeah. The Rams have become a very attractive place for free agents. No doubt. And 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 some are willing to take less for more. In the case of Dominic Sue. Okay? So I wouldn't be surprised if the tight end says, you know, I want to go play with that team that's wide open, has all that fun, and they love to play. You know, I, I you know, when you become an attractive place for people to want to play, especially Southern California. And and you're looking at opening up the stadium in a, you know a year or two. You know you're going to get players that are available that are willing to take less. And if we win, you know, like I say, get to the Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. Man, the sky's the limit out here. Here's some 2020 tight end free agents: Rob Gronkowski, Charles Clay, Dwayne Allen, Kyle Rudolph, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Deion Sims, Austin Spray, and Jenkins. Uh, there's not a lot of and you know. Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, maybe. Oh, uh, uh, but these these are the twenty twenty guys, and not, Nick Vanette, who's playing with the Seahawks right now. Yeah. None, none of these guys are you know making you ooh and awe, right? Yeah. I guess Hunter Henry, but he's more of a, a young Gerald than he is. A, a, and with the ACL injury this year, he's missed right. the year. But yeah, that's the, that's the right off season. It, it's one of those things where I'm just as we start getting into the season, we get closer to the off season, we can start thinking about that stuff. The the good thing is in front of us something. You know, Andrew mentioned is that we got the playoffs, we got the Super Bowl push, and the playoff picture is coming into view. So I, I let, let's do this. Getting out of the Detroit game, I got to get Joey's favorite segment. Joey, give me your X factor for this game. I think the X factor is going to be Malcolm Brown because oh nice. I I I have a feeling that you know we don't know much about Todd Gurley's rolled ankle, but I I just don't think they want to put that much mileage on him right now. And uh, I could I could see them giving the ball to Malcolm Brown, maybe 15 touches a game. Who knows? Especially if they had to get up early, right? Yeah. Like, hmm. Yeah. Let's see. What do you think, Robo? I'm going to go... I'm going to go Samson Ebicom just to see if he can follow up his huge game with a good game. I'm, you, you can't expect what he did, you know, that sure, sure. NFL defensive player of the week stuff every week, but can you actually show up on the stat sheet and, you know, hey, you know, he had he had two or three QB pressures or hits. Pressure or the quarterback. That's was, exactly right. Not safe. Right? Well done, Rob. Something. Yeah, something something on the stat sheet that shows he belongs out there. Can he can he follow up his huge night with, you know, a, a standard average outside linebacker stat sheet? 
Who's your X Factor, Professor? Jojo Natson. Oh, I like it. Big return on a punt. It's yes. going to change the momentum of the game. How about Farrah Cooper? Can he return punts for you? He stinks. <laughs> I, I don't want to stick with balls. I, I get him off the field. I don't care what you do. He could have been on IR the rest of the year as far as I'm concerned after that Atlanta game. I have nothing to do with him. Robbo just poking the alligator in his neck and then surprised <laughs> when he snaps the broom handle off. Don't, don't bring that guy up. You guys mentioned people that get me really upset, okay? And I, was, I came in here and I was in a good mood. Pharaoh <laughs> uh, Cooper. How about Mike Thomas? You, you found Mike Thomas, his kickoff returns? Uh, I'm going to go with Roger Saffold. This is, a good, this is a really good game for the offensive line to eat, and we've seen it all year. You get You get the elder statesmen of Saffold, John Sullivan, and Andrew Whitworth on a bye week. Does anybody deserve a bye week more than those guys? I think the, the, the end of last week, and starting maybe with Thanksgiving, but obviously with, with Sunday, we're really looking at every game as it relates to the playoff picture now. W- w- you got the New Orleans Saints, obviously, in first place because of the tiebreaker in front of us in second. We're both 10-1. and one. Chicago's 8-3. and three. Minnesota's 6-4-1. and one. And then you got four 6-5 and five teams, Dallas, Washington, Seattle, and Carolina. Who do, who do you guys feel we don't maybe match up well against? Is there anybody you don't like? We were talking about this a little bit earlier, Joey. G- give me a team that maybe you guys not necessarily are worried about, but a team that you would rather just not see in the playoffs. Well, you know, if, if you look at those teams, I would say even though we beat them before, the, the Vikings really kind of put it to us last season. And I feel like they're getting, they're getting better as a team. And I could see them, their record doesn't suggest it, but I could see them actually being winning their division at the end of the season. Sure. And if we have to if we have to play them, I mean they they have they have a tough they got a tough defense. And they they still even have an explosive offense. I mean they're 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 balanced. So I, I think I think I think we have a couple of matchup issues with them. They got an interesting schedule. They got they're at the Patriots this weekend, then they got Monday night football at Seattle in two weeks, then a little bit of a layup, maybe Dolphins and Lions back-to-back, and then they finish the season against the Bears. That's going to be a monster game. What do you think about Minnesota? Who's your team that you don't want to face, Professor? Me? You? I, I, I could. I, yeah, I don't think – no, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm, I'm honest with you. This is the best Ram team I've ever seen. You don't care. The only we one don't. that can beat the Rams are the Rams. I love it. And, you know, even New Orleans does not scare me. I am very confident. If I if I tell you that I had a little trepidation about teams, it would be Seattle because yeah. their familiarity with yep, that's my pick. That's it. Other than that, I mean, I yeah, I get the Vikings, I get that, but you know what? This is this is not 1970s, 1980s when the Vikings came in. This is a team that has an offense. The Rams do. Okay, we didn't have that kind of offense during those days. And when Rams have won Super Bowls in '51. 99, it wasn't because of no fearsome foursome and all that. It was because of their offense. With Bob Waterfield, Gilroy Crazy Legs Hurst, Tom Fear. In 99, it's all about Kurt Warner and Terry Holt, uh, Terry Holt and, 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 and Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk coming out of the backfield. You know, they didn't win it because of their defense. They barely held on when it came to their defense. It's all because of the offense. Yeah, that's the one that's uh, I would I would not least want to see because <laughs> uh, if we're gonna go, we're just gonna go. So um, I definitely think it's the Seahawks uh, because uh, the history they have with that team they they don't play clean games. When we're when we're a shit team and they're a good team, we don't play a clean game. They don't play a clean game. When we're a good team and they're a shit team, it's just. This is just a matchup between two teams that always have some wonky stuff that goes on. Um, it's, a lot of times it's unpredictable. You never know. And while I think the Rams are a much better team than the Seahawks, the Seahawks are improved. They've kind of found they've kind of found a little magic in what's you know making them go this season. And uh, it's their running game. And right now, the Rams give up more yards per rush than anybody in the NFL. And it's uh, when you look at this team matched up against the Seahawks, we've given up what four hundred and sixty something yards over two games. Uh, last time I checked, that's not good. And so if you can run the ball, and 
it's not like they're ripping off 80-yard runs here. I mean, they're, they're getting chunk plays, 7, 8, 10, 12, and they're just coming right down the field on us. And uh, so my thought is that if I would not want to see that running game and the physicality that offensive line brings. You know, they can't pass protect for, for garbage. We've seen that. But Russell Wilson is still dangerous. And as we saw in the last game that, uh, that they played, uh, he's able to – He's able to add a little with his legs still, so he's still able to get out of the pocket, make things happen. We watched the Panthers Seahawks game uh, yesterday or two days ago. Um, Russell Wilson is really dangerous on the move on the broken play. You know what? Uh, he and Doug Baldwin have this thing where if if Russell's on the move, break off your route, go deep. I want to find you wide open because someone's going to lose you. I just don't I just don't like the matchup. So. If I had my if I had my wish, I would rather play anyone but the Seahawks in the playoffs. Yeah, it's weird. I was going to say the Seahawks too before Prof did, and so I think it's all three of us in agreement. The, the the two things I'd point to with the Seahawks is that in their five losses, all of them have been close. They've got five losses, three points, seven points, two points, eight points, and five points. They haven't gotten blown out by anybody. They haven't had a bad game where they've just given up throughout. And you can give that, put that down to coaching. You can put it down to the leadership or whatever, but they're not getting blown out by anybody, and those losses are to mostly good teams. Lost to the Rams twice, lost to the Chargers, lost to the Bears, and lost to the Broncos, who I think are one of the more underrated teams overall in the NFL. So none of the losses are bad, bad losses. The other reason I don't want to face them is kind of what used to be our motivation when the Seahawks were one of the better teams in the NFL is they're able to get under our skin. And you saw that with the last game, even though we won, they clearly had the edge in terms of who who felt more comfortable playing that game. And that was in L.A. Um, and remember, that was the game where uh, Justin Britt was getting under Aaron Donald's skin, and obviously Donald went to go see him after the game. And you had a lot of chippiness going on throughout the game and a lot of altercations. They were getting the better of us in terms of the the mentality for that game and the composure. And I, I think that's something that's going to continue for a while because as long as we're the better team overall, and I think that's obvious, they've got to find a way to, to lessen the competitive disadvantage. And I think that's one of the easiest ways to do it. And I think uh, the last game, more than anything, showed that they're pretty good at it too. And, and as I mentioned before, these teams kind of just kind of do that. You throw the records out. When, when we were the bad team and playing the good team, uh, we did the same thing. Guys like Eugene Sam has got under their skin. And it's just – it's just what happens. This 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 matchup is it's muddled and it's 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 interesting. Actually, you mentioned Justin Britt. He was on the radio here in Seattle a couple of days after that game, and they uh, they were interviewing about you know just him in general and offensive line changes or whatever. And they mentioned the play of Aaron Donald, and he kind of snickered and he goes like, "Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do." And so he's kind of a, and they they almost were were praising him for being a dirty for taking a cheap shot and a dirty player, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, something you can do, I do. And I've only been fined uh, twice in my, in my career by the NFL and both times it's been against the Rams. Once was a couple years ago. And again, uh, wasn't like right after that, that, that game itself. So, but here's, oh, yeah. here, here's why I, I'm not scared of them. This can happen in a regular season game, but when you're focused as the Rams were, when they went up there last year and they played them, and they kicked their butt because they were focused. The Rams are a 10 times better team than the Seattle Seahawks, bar none. And that's why I say when you can have these kind of situations where a loss here or a loss there ain't going to make any, that much difference, where it's imperative upon the Seahawks to win a game against the Rams. And like, like Rob said, going back to their history, when they were good, the Rams played them tough and all that other stuff, but they still wound up losing. Well, you get into a playoff game with the Rams, I'm sorry. The Rams aren't going to be making those kind of mistakes. There was one touchdown that they scored down here in L.A. where it was completely the refs and phony calls and illegal rushes that weren't there. It was all a bunch of crap. The Rams aren't going to make mistakes in the playoffs. Did you not see Farrell Cooper last January? You know what? I don't want to hear about Farrell Cooper. You keep mentioning <laughs> somebody I don't give a shit about. I don't want him on my team. Cut his ass, get rid of him. I don't care what it is. Just to, 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 you don't even mention that guy's name. You know, I, I, I am Jewish, and you do not mention the word Pharaoh in front of a Jew. <laughs> well, you, you know what? Let's let's talk about that for a second because the it's such a difference between that last season and this season. The Atlanta Falcons might not, probably not, are going to make the playoffs, and they 
clearly beat us pretty badly in the playoffs. And we're a better team this year. And you look at who we're playing for the rest of the season. And you talk about the Seahawks, talk about the Bears. And also, we, we've already previously discussed the Eagles. And those are the teams that you can say, okay, yeah, they have they, ha- they have some talent on their roster. But clearly, I think the Rams are a better team than any team we're going to play for the rest of the season. Sure. So really, the stress kind of comes from whether we're going to blow it and have the embarrassment of losing a team that we think they should beat. And when you go into the yeah. playoffs, I think it's the same way. I think it's all the way to the Super Bowl. And so we're in that position where as Rams fans and the professor clearly has this confidence that I think a lot of the other Rams fans need to have, which is we belong in the Super Bowl. We belong to beat every team that we're going to meet in the playoffs. There's no one that's going to keep us up at night. And the only way we're going to lose is if we Farrell Cooper it. And that's the difference. (laughs) When professor's talking about the Seahawks game last year, and, and the idea of focus, that, that was still a team that hadn't really – they were 10-4. and four. We knew they were good, but this was still new ground, right? This, that was a team that hadn't had a winning season in 14 years. Roger Saffold, one of the longest – or the longest yeah. tenured Ram, had never had a winning season. We were still forging new ground. And so that idea of focus, we were still a team that was on the ascendancy and having to prove things. Clearly, that's not who this team is. They've established their dominance at 10-1. and one. They've established their offensive profligacy, and they've established the identity of who they're going to be moving forward. And, you know, whether that's, you know, Sean McVay or Jared Goff or Todd Gurley, whatever, that's micro arguments. The, the bigger thing is this is a team that, like Prof said, is being pushed by the offense. And, and the difference is they're no longer the team that's hunting other people. They're a team that's being hunted. And it's, I, I just wonder how they handle that moving forward. The idea of the focus thing. When you're the team that's trying to prove yourself, that's a little bit different than the team trying to hold off everybody trying to prove something against you. But they haven't. But so they far. haven't proven anything. That, so so no. That's my my point. Being is this is a hungry team. This team is the mm-hmm. hunting team. They want to prove we're not a fluke. We're a good football team. They know. Sure. Anything less than the Super Bowl sure. is a disappointment, and they played like it. What's interesting is now, going into Week 13, everything's about this playoff push, right? Uh, the, the fact that we haven't really talked about the Detroit Lions as we finish this episode, it goes into the playoff push. You got us and the Saints at 10-1, and one, Kansas City Chiefs 9-2. and two. Uh, You got the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm looking at the lead standings. In terms of the NFC, you got Saints-Rams 10-1, Chicago at 8-3, and three, Minnesota 6-4-1, Cowboys, Washington, Seattle, Carolina at six and five, Philly at five and six, and then you got a couple four win teams whose backs are completely against the wall. It's going to be a fun week 13, but uh, coming out of the college aspect of Thanksgiving, Professor, I finally got somebody to talk college football. Well, tell these boys why college football is so great. Who'd you watch this week that you liked in college football? I, I love Alabama. I'm sure. Not, I'm a big fan of They're stacked. Uh, you know, I even bought a t shirt, you know, a, wow. a jersey in Alabama. And I'm a USC graduate because I just marvel at their program. They are completely unstoppable. Prof, you gotta, we got to talk some USC football. you got to tell me about USC. What's the deal? Where are we headed? What's the deal? Clay Heldon's not going anywhere. Give me some top-tier Yay! prof. You see, this is why I didn't want to be on the show. <laughs> Yay, they kept him. Yay. I mean, I have to listen to this. Okay, for a whole year, i got to listen to this. I don't know what USC is doing. I can't believe that they signed this. I mean, let this guy back. I, I, I'm an alumni. I, I'm done with him. Okay, I'm done with him. No, no, Lenny Swan's not done with him, though. And every Brewer fan thinks you. Thank UCLA you, UCLA is improving. Thank you, he doesn't have any of the players that he, that he uh, you know, recruited. Okay, so I give him, I'm going to give him some time. Helton's got no excuses. And I keep saying from the get-go, they got rid of that Clancy Pendergast. That guy is absolute trash. I don't know. I, I, I can't believe this guy is coaching defenses. I mean, he's, he's, he, he's terrible. Are you surprised that Clay Helton is sticking around? Yes. Yes. I think there are a lot of alumni like myself who say Len Swan – Apparently, I heard this story. Okay, there's a lot of pressure because of all the scandals that have gone on with the school, and they're being sued, and they're doing all this other stuff that that they don't need any controversy right now, and they can't afford to pay a, another coach. That's what I heard. Can't afford. USC is 
you got somebody coming in here who's a big name guy. He's going to demand $5 million, $7 million a year. USA is a private school, correct? They're not part of the, the, right, the, the uh, UCLA. That, that is correct. And if the, NCAA, if the NCAA wants to investigate them, my first answer is get a warrant. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, to hear that that school is having money problems, that blows me away because they've been the pro football team in California for 30 years. They uh, they've won national championships. I mean, they, that that thing prints money. How can they have that many problems? I guess when you when you recycle Copers as often as they have after Pete Carroll, that that kind of eats into those pocketbooks. But woo. but are they going to? You know, there was discussion about are they going to fall back to you know where they where what was it the the one school that used to be everybody considered them so great all the time and it'd be like Michigan where they fall into like the abyss. I mean, that's the concern that many people have out here in Los Angeles about USC. And it's probably a fair concern. Are, are they in that situation where they're not going to be able to win these big games mm-hmm. and they're not going to be in the hunt for the playoffs and they're not going to be in the playoff? I mean, are we going to see that from USC? I mean, and if you bring Helton back, are we really looking towards a future that's bright or are we looking for the same old thing? Missing out on a bowl game, old USC. Joey, you're unaffiliated. Robbo's a UCLA grad. Prof is a USC guy. You're the unaffiliated LA correspondent. Uh, what's your feeling on college football in LA? Did you watch anybody this week? Did you watch any of the Apple Cup? Did you watch seven overtimes of SEC football? Give me some college football, Joey. Yeah, you know, I I watched the my, my father-in-law's a Michigan guy. So Oh man. Is everybody's father-in-law a Michigan guy? Is is being a father-in-law and being a Michigan guy is that Venn diagram just one circle? Pretty much. Pretty much. And, you know, and then, you know, the, the baby's getting the, the Michigan Wolverines onesie and you got to put that on and it's a whole thing. And I, I would say, you know, my brother went to USC. So uh, if, if if I had the, the strongest affiliate, you know, because it's like everybody, everybody likes different teams throughout their life if they haven't really have that that blood through it. If, 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 if your whole family isn't like, oh, we all went to Purdue and we're all Purdue people. And so I, I kind of feel like – there's times where I, I I have an you know an um, affiliation to Notre Dame and I and I want them to do well. So I did watch the Michigan Ohio State game. I thought it was a little bit um, predictable. I think I think you kind of it, it just seemed like Michigan just wasn't going to win that game, and I felt like okay, you know I think I think right now I'm just looking for some drama in there, and you got that with that seven overtime game. But it was if you if you wanted to compare it to the Rams Chiefs game on Monday Night Football, it was a little bit of the opposite because it was this exhausting, grueling affair where it wasn't this sort of like super fun thing to watch. Even though, sure, if you didn't watch it, you would have maybe assumed it was really exciting. And I found I found that to be kind of uh, interesting. But it just seems like every week after college football, nothing really changes i mean right now i think that like the four position kind of fluctuates right sure you know that, that's been this season who's gonna get it's in it's been a season of state right this has been a season of stasis where you've had alabama and clemson throughout the entire season you've had a couple teams you know threatened for that three four five six seven spot and, and it's been kind of a season of wire to wire gate to gate you don't have a lot of seasons like this i think it's been fun i think it's been interesting to see with those two teams at the top and obviously the last three championships between them how everybody else is going to figure things out underneath. But uh, the, the, I think the, the two things I thought were funny is, number one, you got a seven-overtime game which in SEC football, which is always going to be strange. Uh, do you guys know how many yards Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, passed for in a seven-overtime game? 643. Yeah, less than half of that. 270. Wow. <laughs> That's the SEC. That's the SEC. The problem with college football is it's a Bama world, and we're all living in it. For the most part. I, th- I think it's less of a Bama world than it might have been a couple years ago. I think the difference is they have a quarterback, and that changes the calculus significantly. Are you saying to me Bama's not going to win the championship? I say there's a chance. I th- certainly think there's a chance. I think overall as a team, I don't think they're nearly as dominant as they were a couple years ago. Yeah, but and the New York, got Giants, a quarterback. The New York Giants got a chance to go to the Super Bowl if they just <laughs> went out. There you go. Well, I think I, I think there's less of a chance than the G- 
Giants winning out than there is Alabama losing. I'd say this. There's a lot of good teams in the top six, whether it's Notre Dame, Georgia, whether you throw Oklahoma or Ohio State as that last spot. I wouldn't uh, necessarily throw UCF in now that they lost their quarterback. But that's going to make things interesting going into the final week is um, what we get out of conference championship week. You got the SEC with Alabama, Georgia. Clemson plays Pitt in the ACC. Ohio State, Northwestern in the Big Ten. And then Oklahoma, Texas, Red River shootout uh, replay. It's going to be a fun week. Boys, it's going to be a fun week, week 13 in the NFL. Final thoughts on heading to Detroit. Professor, we got to give the mic to you first. What's up? Well, my final thought is that this week is going to prove all the doubters again wrong. This is not a trap game. The Rams are going to come out. They're going to kick the the crap out of the the Lions, and they're going to prove once again they're the best team in the NFL, and they're getting ready for the stretch drive. But Joey? Yeah, I think we should. um, I mean, the one thing that the Lions do really well is making their star players retire early, so maybe the Rams can make Stafford retire at the end of the game by just uh, making a feel like, what's the point? So I'm looking for a nice drubbing and uh, just just seeing a, a big uh, Jared Goff offensive explosion. King Joffrey. I do, like, I do like the existential dread of Matt Stafford as a coming narrative for the next like eight years. N- nihilist Matt Stafford. What is it all yeah. for? Robbo. Robbo, what's your week 13 thoughts? My thought is that uh, this thing's going to be over early, and we're going to see a lot of Sean Mannion and uh, I think you know Joey mentioned Michael Brown. Uh, it's, it's it really shouldn't be close. It should be one that they go in, impose their will, dominate all the good stuff, turnovers. Akeem Tlaib gets a little run, gets get ready. But this is this is a tune for Chicago Bears, who I think is a, are a, are sneakily a better team than a lot of people think. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Matt Patricia is going to be dreaming of uh, Fonica dry rubbed ribs at halftime. He might even sneak out for a burger or something. So uh, this one should not be close. And if it is, boy, are we going to have a show on Sunday? Was there ever a missed opportunity for a Thanksgiving uh, narrative than Rams fans getting to watch Sean Mannion and Malcolm Brown at the end of a football game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... I'd have thrown up. What's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> What would you do if we re-signed Sean Mannion, Prof, to be our backup quarterback? Well, I I, I would get a prescription of Ambien and take the whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.